Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast, which helps entrepreneurs generate more impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a smart connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. This podcast is sponsored by Virtual Non-Execs, the world's number one peer-to-peer board advisor community, which connects thousands of investors, entrepreneurs and advisors globally. Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast. I'm Jane Baylor, and I'm here with a wonderful guest, Zoltan Vardy. Welcome, Zoltan. Hi, Jane. Nice to be here with you. Yeah. So Zoltan is a startup mentor and speaker who works with B2B tech startups to help them market to their business audience. And he combines 20 years in the corporate world with 10 years as a founder himself and owner of The Launch Code, which is a very exciting process that we're going to talk about in this podcast. So it's really great to have you here, Zoltan. I'm so glad that you could join us. So yeah, we're, we're going to talk all about all about sales, all about marketing optimization, how to get your message out to the market and actually get people to buy what you do, right? That's the most important thing of all, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I always like to say that nothing happens until somebody sells something. That's what, it, that's what, that's what introduces, you know, the whole process of, of business. And so uh, until you can sell, you can't really build a business. Exactly. And of course, lots of people have very good ideas. I know plenty of people that they built a business around their passion and the thing that they really love. And that's, of course, one of the main driving forces behind entrepreneurship, that we want to do something that's meaningful. But yeah. But unfortunately, it's not a business until you start making sales, really, is it? It's just, yeah. a, it's a hobby, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny, I, you know, in my own sort of journey as an entrepreneur and in, in, in what I do currently, which is kind of, you know, working with business business tech startups to help them kind of sell and market to enterprise customers using the system I created called the Launch Code, I, I made an interesting discovery. And that was that, you know, about seven years ago, I left behind my corporate background and decided to set out on, on on this kind of entrepreneurial journey. And I really wanted to get involved with sort of early stage businesses. And so I started mentoring founders on a kind of pro bono basis. And, you know, it was interesting to realize very early on that a lot of these founders were extremely passionate and, and knowledgeable about the product and the technology that they'd created, but they really didn't have either the mindset or frankly, the skill set to sell and market their business or their products. And so you know, they were on the one hand, sort of sometimes uh, fe fearful of selling, right? It was like about trying to convince somebody to buy something they don't need, or they just didn't know where to start. And so yes. I, I came to the conclusion that, you know, a lot of the very fundamentals of sales, which I'm sure you're, you and your audience, and many of them are quite familiar with about being able to focus your offer a message so people understand what you're selling, um, creating a process of, of reaching your ideal clients and, and closing deals of, of executing based on targets. So you kind of can track your progress and make good decisions. All of those elements were just missing and they and they couldn't generate the type of predictable revenue that was necessary to create a sustainable business. And so in, with, with that realization that I, I thought, you know, I, I really could somehow craft a solution to this problem. And so what I did was I literally sat down with a blank sheet of paper. I thought about literally all the tools and the techniques and the principles that I'd collected over my 30 year career, closing over $2 billion in, in business to business deals. 
And, and I started putting together the different pieces of what eventually became this sales and marketing blueprint that I call the launch code. And now I've, I've been able to share this with over 200 founders in 26 countries across Europe, had some great successes in making founders realize the power of selling and, and how this really can be a key to helping them bring to life the business that they dream about. And I'm so pleased that, that I've managed to do that while, you know, while also building up a meaningful business as well. Yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing because, you know, a, a lot of the time, as you rightly pointed out, founders will create a business that is based around their ideas and around their expertise. But when they don't have a background in really commercial sales, then why would anybody expect them to be natural at that? It's just, uh, it, it is a skill set, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and it's something that you can learn. You know, I come from a family of academics. So both my parents were, were professors. So at the dinner table in the evening, we used to talk about Eastern European history and not business. And so for me, it wasn't a naturally clear transition to get into what I, what I basically built my career around. And, and, you know, it was, it was a very much a turning point sort of early on in my career when I started working for an executive, I was working for Cartoon Network at the time. I was actually helping kind of launch local versions of Cartoon Network across Central and Eastern Europe. Yeah. And, and he, he, you know, he, he brought to light, I think, just a fundamental mindset, mindset shift that, that is so critical if you're going to be successful in sales is that ultimately, you know, selling is about solving problems, right? It's about understanding uh, a problem that uh, a clearly defined target audience or person or group has, and then providing a solution to that problem. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it really becomes a much more compelling proposition, right? You're not sitting there trying to convince people to buy something they don't need. You're trying to solve their problems and who doesn't like to solve other people's problems. And I think that sort of mindset um, is something that I try to, you know, emphasize to the companies I work with and with the mm -hmm. founders I work with is, is, you know, you have to find a problem that you're going to solve, right? So you mentioned earlier, well, they have got a great, you know, skill or they've got a great, you know, technology or something, that's great. But you know what? Nobody cares who you are until you first explain what problem you solve for them. And, yes. and that's the foundation of selling and of building a successful business. Yeah, I totally agree. And funnily enough, I was thinking about that today. It's all about <laughs> value, isn't it? And the value that you create for others because the value is in the problem solving, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and once you once you understand there's a foundation, then it becomes a question of okay, so how do you bring that to life? And and I think, you know, what I realized is that dependent a little bit on on what stage of development you're in and also kind of what skills and uh, you bring to the table, there are fundamentally I think three things you have to solve for. The first is you have to create a very focused offer and message, right? So you have to be able to explain in simple terms what problem you solve for who and why you're better than the competition, right? So that's kind, yeah. of, kind of job number 1. The second is you have to create some sort of structure to your client acquisition, whether it's you know direct sales, outbound sales, whether it's inbound marketing, where you're driving inbound interest, or you're working with partners, channel partners to, to extend your reach and, and your, your, your credibility. You have to create some balance among those and find the, the proper uh, tools that'll get you there to your ideal client and then help you close more deals. And third, you know, a lot of founders don't come with a strong background in sort of structured corporate thinking. I know you, you and I share a similar background on that front. So for them, it's, it's not obvious to set goals and to track your performance and to determine which KPIs, key performance indicators make sense or which ones are irrelevant. And, and just that process of executing based, based on targets gives you that structure. And so it was really with this, with this sort of insight that I created 
effectively the launch code is that, you know, I help kind of address these three problems, you know, focus your offer message, structure your sales process and execute based on targets. And once you have that down, it really comes down to how effectively can you bring this, you know, approach to life. Yeah, I mean, that's so clear and so precise and <coughs> makes so much sense to me, Zoltan. So you specialize in tech, don't you? So you work with a lot of SaaS founders, don't you, to help them scale. Yes. That's really your niche, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would you say what, what kind of trends do you see within that industry? Do you think it's um, changing? Well, I'd say that one of the trends that obviously you'll notice if you spend a little bit of time in the business world these days is the impact of artificial intelligence, right? Of generative AI, yeah. of, of all that. So that's clearly creating a new, it, it's creating a new environment in which, you know, a lot of tools are being developed to be able to efficiently reach out to customers, to, to target customers in a more uh, tailored way. And I think all of that is, is very good from a process standpoint. But what I also find is that it also drives the conversation somewhat away from the fundamentals of selling. Mm. And, and I think, and this is one of my, my really key learnings from what I've, what I've seen in the last uh, few years is that you can have the best tool as it relates to reaching out to people and getting them to listen. But if you don't have a compelling message to share, it's like, you know, pouring water into a leaky bucket. It's just, it just doesn't matter. Right. And so that's why a lot of the things that I focus on in the work I do with founders is really getting the fundamentals down. And, and for me, that really comes down to three things. One is your value proposition, right? So can you explain in a single sentence why people should buy what you're selling? The second is your product offering, right? Being able to create a very simple structure for what customers can buy from you. You know, interesting, I had a meeting today with, with a potential supplier to me. So I was in the buying seat at that stage. And really interesting character, interesting offer, but he couldn't really explain to me, what am I going to buy? Am I buying his time? Am I buying his, his solution? Is it a technology? Right. So it really didn't give me anything to say yes to. Right. And so, so that's something I think you have to get right. And the third piece is your messaging and your tools. So your messaging has to be driven by your customer's problem and then how you solve for that problem. So I'm sure you've experienced this before, uh, from our, from our corporate world, right? You get into a big conference room with 20 people sitting around the table and somebody pulls out their laptop and starts projecting. And the first slide is, we have 3,000 employees from 27 <laughs> countries, you know, working with these blue chip companies and so on. And the first 15 minutes is me, 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 me. And in the meantime, every single person in that room, except for the person presenting, is asking themselves a single question is, why should I care? Yeah. What, what, what are you going to tell me that's going to get me excited about the solution you're offering? And I think that sort of mindset is something that people default to, but having that messaging approach, which is like, this is the desired outcome of your, of your target customer. This is what they want to feel or experience when they salute, you know, use your solution. This is the problem you solve. This is how you solve it. And here's what you can do to take advantage of that offer. Right? So the very, very focused kind of customer driven messaging, and it's really getting those foundations down. I think is essential before you talk about what, you know, latest gadgets you're going to use to get in front of more people uh, more efficiently. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because tech really is a pipeline. And I think people can get very distracted, uh, as you said, particularly at the moment by the potential of AI, which is exciting. It's exciting for a lot of people because it's really pushing forward the frontiers in so many different respects. 
But at the end of the day, it really is just a tool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. All tech yeah. is there just to serve our needs as humans. Yeah. And so really, as, as you said, the needs have to come first. Yeah. And, and you said the, the key, you know, we're all humans, um, somewhat obvious, but so critical, right? People at the, at the end of the day buy from people, right? So you have to be able to make a compelling case for why you're going to help that individual, whether they're the buyer themselves or they're representing an organization, but why, first of all, why what you're offering is relevant to their solving the problem. Second of all, why should they trust you? And I think that that credibility piece is something that is often downplayed, especially in this extremely virtual, you know, virtual world in which we increasingly live in is, yes. is, is how do you build credibility? And so one of the things I, I talk a lot about with my customers is the importance when you're talking to enterprise customers with big budgets and, and multinationals, you know, you really have to project sense of reliability, of, of confidence, of, of that you know what you're doing. Because as we well know, at the end of the day, the driving force in, in corporate decision-making is certainty, right? The entire, you know, the entire infrastructure of a corporation is about how can I predict the future to some level of certainty so that I can be sure about my job, right? That's the reality. And so yes. you have to be able to present your proposal to potential enterprise customers that in a way that, that says, these are people I can trust. These are people are going to deliver what they're going to say they're going to deliver. And, and they're going to do it uh, the way we agreed. And that comes with experience. It comes with some level of, of uh, maturity. And, and having that at the forefront of how you present yourself is so critical to be successful in, in enterprise sales. Yeah, I think that is so important. And I think it's something that is often really overlooked is actually understanding the dynamics of those enterprise businesses, right? Yeah. Because, because, you know, you can't just pitch up and be entertaining and fun and different and just expect them to be okay with that because yeah. it's, it's political. Yeah, it's political. But, you know, I, I, think, I think one thing you can do to, to increase your chances is to target the right type of companies. And, and this is something that I, I emphasize a lot is not all enterprises are created equal. There are certain characteristics of companies that are more likely to do business with early stage suppliers. So right. one, of those, one, one of those characteristics is, you know, I like to sort of kind of a classic way to divide, you know, companies or you can, you can sell to rabbits, deer or elephants, right? Elephants are the big lumbering players, usually market leaders move very slowly. If you can catch an elephant, you're, you know, you're, you're in good shape for a while. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum are the rabbits, right? They're the small, quick moving, limber companies, oftentimes startups that are are great to uh, to business with but they you're not going to feed they're not going to feed you for very long and then in the middle of the deer and i think these are the companies that most early stage companies should target and these are effectively the challengers right they're the tier two potentially tier three companies that are still quite large and significant in their vertical but are intrinsically motivated to try out new things because they have something to gain right mm -hmm. elephants only have something to lose right they're market leaders yeah and so targeting the type of companies that are, are motivated to, to try innovative things, to work with new suppliers because they've got something to, to prove is, is a great way to do, to, to, to narrow that focus and to give you more chance of succeeding. Another characteristic I would look for, interestingly, is privately held companies rather than publicly traded companies. So privately held companies are less driven by quarterly financial results, uh, especially if you're selling very high ticket type of services that might have an impact on the bottom line at the short term. They're more willing to accept that rather than having to worry about what their, you know, the quarterly results are going to be. And the third thing that I think is really important is that 
it, you can find companies that already have made an indication that they are open to innovation, right? So what are some typical triggers for this? You know, they've got somebody called head of innovation. They've got an Excel corporate accelerated program. They make a corporate venture capital investments, right? So they already have a couple of elements in their business that indicates that they are open to innovation and to investments into startups. And so if you could kind of create the perfect enterprise target customer for an early stage business, they'd be, you know, a challenger that's privately held and has already indicated that they've got some sort of, you know, interest in doing business with early stage businesses. Well, that sounds, that sounds ideal. <laughs> yeah. Now so you just <laughs> you just, you just got to find them, right? So, uh, so I mean, the next question, because I'm sure that I would be thinking this, and I'm sure that a lot of my audience will be thinking this: is I want, I want to work with those kind of businesses, the the deer, if you like. Uh, but how do I actually identify them? Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing to do is to identify your ideal customer profile, right? Sometimes yeah. people call it a buyer persona or an or, or, or ideal customer profile. And, and that's something that I actually spend quite a bit of time on with my with my uh, clients is that we really drill down to to a, a tremendous amount of detail to really, really, really pinpoint who it is that is going to consider your solution, not one of many options, but the perfect option. And, yes. and that's, such a, that's such a big difference. And so, you know, I always like to say just because everybody can use your service doesn't mean doesn't mean everybody should use your service. Right. So there are things that are that are relevant for some and more relevant for others. And so one of the things you have to do is really, really narrow down. And that comes down to some very, you know, empirical things like size, like location, like, you know, structure. And it could be softer things. You know, are they interested in, in buying high quality? Are they interested in really in just purely a price play? Are they interested, you know, are there people in there that are driving innovation, right? So there's certain things, mindset that matter. For instance, for me, one of the important characteristics of my ideal customer is they're struggling with sales, right? So they've got that sense of like, ah, you know, I know I got to sell this thing, but I just don't know how to do it, right? So a self-confident founder that considers them an expert in sales is not my target customer because they don't see the problem, right? Yeah. In the same way, so that's a mindset, right? So so that's important for anybody, whatever you're selling, whether it's a, a technology or a tool or whatever, you got to be speaking to people who feel like they need help in that area. Definitely. So once you've, once you've identified that ideal customer profile, then it's much easier to identify companies that meet those criteria right so once you've created the standard then you do research and where do you do research you can do it on the internet you can look at your network you can do you know and, and it's a very interesting I, i'm working with a company out of slovenia that's a, actually it's, a, it's much bigger in size than normally the companies i work with they've got i don't know 20 million dollars in sales but it's a development company who's, who's built their business on the back of referrals amazingly to this size uh. and i'm working with them now to get into the enterprise sector and and i did this exercise with them so they're saying you know we're doing business with literally hundreds of customers and we went through this exercise and we identified the elements and all of a sudden, you know, the next week they came back and they had a list of 11 companies that meet this criteria of, the, of which about seven or eight they hadn't even heard of before. And I was talking to the founder, they said, you know, it's amazing. I didn't even think of these companies as potential customers, but once we narrowed down the focus of who we wanted to speak to, all of a sudden these became perfect, perfect fits for us, for the service we provide. So just the process of narrowing your focus already opens up specific lists of companies you can do business with and then it becomes a question of how do you get in front of them and get them to you know bite so to speak on your initial offer and go with the process which is, of course is a, is a longer longer you know takes takes some time and takes a, some some different techniques yes so different techniques time and time and different time i understand different techniques <laughs> is the interesting part of course so let's hear about some of those different techniques then sultan 
Okay. Well, I'd say the first thing is you have to make sure that you're selling something of meaningful outcomes. And what I mean by that is if you're selling to big customers, you want to try to create, you know, sell something that is going to have an impact on their bottom line. And I can't emphasize this enough. So I used to sit on the buy side, right? So I was at one stage CEO of a thousand person company, multi-hundred million dollar revenue business. So I used to purchase big, big uh, elements. And, and the reality is, you know, we can talk a lot about, you know, very fashionable things like sustainability and equality and diversity, which are all very important. But at the end of the day, the bottom line, corporate decision makers are driven by their financial outcome. Always. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And yes. you just have to accept that. That's just the reality. So yeah. if you're selling something to enterprise, you better be able to explain why that is either going to generate more revenues for them or save yeah. costs. Full stop. Everything Tug- else, you know, building efficiency and you know, growing engagement and all that stuff is nice to have stuff. And it, you know, they say, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. We're not in a great environment right now economically, right? So things are being cut back. But if you are selling something, you have to explain the financial upside of that. Once you've done that, you have to start mapping out the decision makers within the organization. So the bigger the organization, the more that influencers will have an impact on the decision and less just on decision makers, right? And, and so if you think about this as a pyramid, yeah, there's somebody at the top who says yes or no, but they're probably going to be influenced by four or five different people somewhere lower in the organization. Yeah, it's your yeah. job to identify those people. Ideally, you want to try to create a relationship with at least one of those, your internal rainmaker or your internal champion, who will help guide you through that process of decision making. And I think that that's something that a lot of companies, you know, startups will will discount, right? They'll they'll say, oh God, you know, this is taking forever, and 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 how do we get to a yes and all that stuff? And yeah, look, part of that, some of that is just sort of I like to say it's like gravity. Like you can you can complain about the fact that the pen falls out of your hand, but that's just life, right? You just deal with it. You know, you you work you work around that. So you just have to accept that you know com- corporations make decisions slowly. But if you have somebody on the inside who can help guide you to a decision or help you understand the decision making elements, then it helps you get to yes more quickly. And finally, I think you need to be able to not just solve a problem that matters, get an internal champion, but also you have to be able to present it in a way that people will feel like, again, they can trust you to deliver it. Because oftentimes what happens is you'll get through the whole process, you'll get to a yes, and then it kind of the delivery portion really falls away, right? The, the onboarding portion, the delivery element. And I think that's some of the elements that I think you have to be compellingly convincing that actually when it comes down to delivering what you're saying you're going to deliver, you will be able to do so. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Because as you said, if it falls down at that point, then all the hard work that you've done up until that point is going to be destroyed, right? Because eventually the relationship is going to become unsustainable. Yeah, I mean, the the quality of the delivery is what leads to long-term relationships and customer satisfaction. And um, I certainly saw that a lot in media when I was working in media, because there was a lot of, to say, a lot of effort that went in at the front end, but it was hard to sustain for some some of those businesses throughout the uh, the delivery. Yeah, one of the way I one of the ways I think you can you can give yourself a leg up on that front is to work through partners, right? Work through channel partners who already have built some level of credibility with their, with your target customer. And so that's why it's really important. There's a whole module here in the launch code. I talk about channel partners, right? About, yeah. you know, working with distributors or what I call uh, aggregators or, or, or sales 
resellers who who have those relationships in place, have built credibility, and will help you not just get to the right person, but ultimately help guide a deal and the delivery of it to to fruition. And I think that's why it's really important that at, at some stage, once you've kind of gotten your feet wet in terms of the industry that you're in and selling to, to enterprises, that you create these partnerships that that sort of serve as a as an extra layer of of reach an extra layer of credibility for for your you know for your for your service yeah that makes a lot of sense because the thing is we humans we all have a certain uh way of going about our thing right so you know if you're going to be the person who is the show the showman at the front of at the front of house and who is the person that reels in the opportunities and lands them you really are not going to be the best person to be there for the long haul and actually deliver the best quality. I mean, they're two different skill sets, really. Yeah. And and personality types, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I I think it depends a little bit on the size of your organization, but yeah. But yeah. Normally, you'd expect at some stage for the salesperson to or the sales team to hand off to uh, to an implementation team, and then they would yeah. get involved with that with those type of things. But like sometimes the early stage companies I work with are eight, seven, you know, seven, eight, ten person organizations, and you know, at that stage, the founder is still getting involved with all that. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to pick up on was this issue about the influencers or the internal champions, the ambassadors versus the ultimate decision makers, because I don't know what you think about this, but I sometimes have conversations with people who feel that because of their level of relative level of seniority in the company, that the ultimate decision makers are the people that the only people that you should be having a conversation with. And I know, I mean, I ran a brand identity business and our main clients were television companies, large television companies. Yep. And we definitely had to make friends at all levels. We really did because it just would not have worked otherwise. And yeah. so I think you bringing up that point was particularly interesting because the influencers, yes, they might not get paid as much or have as much power or influence, obviously, as the you know, the CEO or whoever's kind of up there as the ultimate decision maker, but they do have the power to say yes or no as the recommenders yeah. and the influencers. And we really cannot ignore that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is a bit of a chess match, right? You have to be able to move those different pawns and different uh, figures on the board in a, in a, in a, in a, in a coordinated way, in a symmetric way. So I think that as you, as you map out the sort of the decision-making tree within the organization, I think you have to make sure that you're covering off all those bases. And, and I would say, look, at the end of the day, every single meeting you have with an enterprise customer is one step closer to a yes. And I think you need to make sure that you understand that at the end of the day, your objective is to get in front of the decision maker, right? So that's, that should be your objective and be able to pitch directly. Now that not always, that's not always possible, depending of course, on the size of the organization. But uh, that should be your objective, and getting in front of that person to uh, to, to to pitch your 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 wares is is really important because again, people make decisions and buy from people, right? So so you want to make sure you're in front of the the the, right, the final person, the final yes or no. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, let's talk about the mindset of sales, Sultan, because that is so important, isn't it? It's so easy to get discouraged and get knocked back and to feel as though, oh, what I do is just not, it's just not working. And all of those, all of those things, it can be an absolute emotional roller coaster, can't it? Being, you know, selling your own product in particular. 
So what advice do you give to your clients on, in that respect? So, so that's, that's one of the ones, the topics that I talk a lot about, right? The, I, you, I use the exact same words. It is an emotional roller coaster, right? I mean, there are these moments when you sort of at the beginning of the, you know, the beginning of the roller coaster where you're kind of clicking, clicking up the, the, uh, the track and you're sort of getting higher and you're looking around and you're getting more and more excited and you're going to the top of the, you know, 80 meter tower. You look around and you feel like you're at the top of the world. And then the next minute you're plummeting to your death and everybody is, you know, screaming and laughing at you, <laughs> you know, and that, and that happens over and over again. Right. So that's, that's something that is, is part of building a business. And then especially a part of building a business that's driven by sales. And so I think that there, there, you have to, to kind of divide the, the problem in two. One is very much a, a practical process driven question. The second is, is what happens in your head as it relates to the process. Look, you know, it is an iterative process. You, you test messaging, you test target customers, you test potential offers. And through that series of tests, you ultimately arrive at what seems to be a, a reasonably good solution. I've often felt in my own professional career and also as I've worked with companies that, you know, sometimes you feel like you've found the perfect solution and then you get a bit of a bit bump and then you realize, oh, you know, maybe we have to rethink that, right? So it's this, it's this constant, you know, fine-tuning to a different stage of perfect. Yeah. So, so I think that part of it you have to accept is simply part of the process. As for what happens in your head and how you manage that, look, I think the most important thing to do is to separate the, the rejection of your offer from the rejection of your person. And that's a very difficult thing to do, right? Because you feel like if somebody's saying no to what you're offering, they're saying no to you. But that's the reality. That the reality is they're not, right? I mean, if you were selling something that they were considering a perfect solution to their problem, you know, it's likely that they would be interested in what you're offering. In this particular case, you're not offering something that they say is a perfect solution to their problem. And, and you have to just understand that, that this is not about you personally, it's about what you're offering. And so I think, you know, you, if you keep that mindset at the forefront of your thinking and you focus instead on fixing the process and fixing the messaging, then at the end of the day, you'll get to, you know, get to a, a point where, where you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to succeed. One of the reasons that I left the corporate world where I was literally doing hundred million dollar deals was because, you know, once you do the hundred million dollar deal and you hit your target, then you hit January one and then you get to start all over again. Right. It's almost like nothing ever happened. So yeah. you literally are from ground zero and that constant, like grow, 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 grow oh, back to zero, grow, grow, grow back to zero. I, I think that that is much more difficult than when you're building a business. And in fact, what you're doing is you're consi consistently growing on top of what you did the previous year, right? So there's this, there's a sense of, 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 of linear growth. Yeah. And for me, that that's a lot more compelling, a lot more exciting because yeah. there's no, there's no sort of central master somewhere behind a, you know, in a, in a, in a, behind the shadows in some dark room saying that this year you need 110 and next year's 120 and the next year's 130. It's like, hey, listen, I'm building a business and I'm just, you know, one step closer to, to building the business I dream about. And so keeping that motivational factor as part of your mindset is really, really uh, important. Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting perspective because really when you're in that position, effectively, you're just feeding the beast, aren't you? And it's not your beast, right? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beast that, that you ha happen to be uh, a, a part of, really. You're, you're like an organ of the beast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really interesting, you know, the different mindsets. So, so in my last year at NBC Universal, I was responsible for several hundred million dollars of revenue for, I think it was something 50 odd cable TV channels in 30 countries. So, you know, pretty broad brief, 
pretty international. And I remember in my first year, you know, I think the target was plus 20% year on year. And I think I brought plus 17. And let's just say I didn't get pat on pat on the back because it was under budget. The next year, having learned from the experience, I fought tooth and nail to lower my target to plus six. And I delivered plus seven and I got a pat on the back and a nice bonus. And so here I was, <laughs> you know, on the previous year, growing the business 17% and getting kicked in the rear. And the next year, growing the business 7% and getting patted on the back, right? So that's the corporate <laughs> mentality versus the entrepreneurial mentality, which is like plus 17. Awesome. We're 70% better than we were last year. And then, you know, oh, only seven, right? So it's just a different, complete mindset when you're, when you're, you know, budget target driven versus, you know, building a business driven. And I think that sort of mentality is something that I, I much prefer to, uh, to what you have in the corporate world. Yeah. But at the same time, we talked earlier on about people by people, and it really is typical of people to personalize rejection of any kind. I think we're, we're built to do that. And we really have to consciously challenge, you know, that, that way of thinking. So do you personally ever struggle with that or have you, are you absolutely at peace? And if somebody rejects what you do or if you're working with some of your clients and they reject what they do and maybe it's some plan that you've worked up between you do you feel that that twinge that is like i it's just it's something to do with me or do you just like no i'm past that i <laughs> i i'm ironclad you know I, i'm bulletproof well, I would love to think that I'm bulletproof, but of course I'm not, I'm human. And of course there are good days and bad days, but I'll tell you what makes a big difference. And I think this is something that applies to everything. You're only as comfortable as you are as the number of your options, right? So if you're talking to 10 different customers and you need to close two of them, if one of them says no, then you're like, okay, that's fine. Cause I got nine mm -hmm. in the more. If you're talking to two customers and you need to close two of them and one of them says no, that's when you feel the pain, right? Yes. So what that means is you have to constantly be filling your pipeline with potential opportunities. Yeah. And that's, it's, that's one of the things I think a lot of founders who are, don't have experience in sales neglect to keep in mind. They're like, oh, great. We've got two new deals and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they have a poor, poor month because there's no other opportunities and they're scrambling, right? So it's that mindset of constantly looking for new opportunities, always be selling, always be looking for new, new ways to, to, to uh, bring potential customers into your, into your, uh, your space. That, that's what I think protects you from having those huge, that huge amplitude of emotional, you know, distress, right? Of like, oh, I lost a client versus not in a client. So, so long story short, you know, as if you, as with any business, you have, you have a start where you're trying to build it and you, you see things are not working and you iterate and you do that. I mean, I've gone through that myself, but now after I think I'm in my fourth year, I can say with some confidence that I've got enough stuff in my pipeline that if, if for whatever reason, one client doesn't come through, then I've got other options. Right. So that's what I would encourage every single uh, salesperson and certainly startup founder to keep in mind is just always be grinding for no options. There's never enough. And, and that's why you should, should keep that in mind, because it helps you actually manage your emotional stress. Yes, yes. And, you know, you and I obviously, Zoltan, we both come from a media environment and you mm -hmm. mentioned always be selling. I mean, in media, certainly the world that I came from, the people that could sell and the people that would sell they were right at the very top of the tree. They were the people who, they were the people who ran the businesses. Everybody else came downstream because there really is nothing more important in business than the ability to sell what you do, just to come full circle. So I totally subscribe to everything that you said. 
It's been amazing. So Zoltan, if people want to uh, contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? So if they want to reach out to me directly, LinkedIn is probably the best place. I think I'm, I'm the only Zoltan Vardy on LinkedIn, or at least I haven't found anybody else. So if they just type my name in, they'll find me there. I do want to make one offer to your audience um, yes, do, as, yeah. as, as, uh, as an opportunity to, to get a little bit more information about me and maybe get a taste of, of what I do. Yeah. So I, you know, one of the things that I, I start in all my engagements with is I help put together a one sentence value proposition. Right. So mm -hmm. I work with the, the, the founders to really, you know, in one sense, explain what problem they solve for who and why they're better than the competition. I've created sort of a five step process for that. And so what I want to do is offer a, a completely free kind of no strings attached opportunity. If people go to ZoltanVardy.com backslash podcast, they will find a free guide. It's a 30 minute video where I talk about the process as well as a worksheet and they can apply it to their own business. And, and then they can create this, this one sentence value proposition. And if they think that's kind of an interesting, compelling opportunity, I'm happy to give them feedback on that. And then that gives us an opportunity to get connected. So ZoltanVardy.com backslash podcast. Well, that sounds absolutely amazing. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us, Zoltan. It has been such a wonderful interview and I really enjoyed it a lot. And I'm sure that our viewers and listeners will have enjoyed it as well. Thank you great very much. It's great to uh, great to be here with you. Jane Bader is the Smart Connector, a London-based, passionate serial entrepreneur, brand marketer, and business growth exploder who helps overlooked and undervalued consultants and sector experts generate consistent, scalable revenues through becoming the go-to choice of their dream clients. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate you liking, rating, and reviewing the podcast on the platform you've heard it on. And check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to connect with Jane or any of her guests in person. Thank you for listening and come back soon.